Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cult Faves, a podcast about cults. <laughs> this is Cher. And I'm Gwenda. And what are we going to talk about today? But before we do, um, <laughs> hold on a second. Can we, like, this actually weather is very suiting or fitting? Fitting for today's topic because it's hot as shit out. It's yes, disgusting. It is. It's basically like <laughs> the devil's anus. <laughs> so uh, I could be nice talking about anything. Reference. Nice little reference. Thank, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of that little off the cuff reference <laughs> that I just came up with. Yeah. So um, what's going on with you before we get into whatever crazy. Uh, I'm back on stuff. deadline. <laughs> when aren't you on deadline? Hopefully soon. I have a beautiful wall of color-coded index cards and a revision that's due in a week. Yay! Actually, I'm very excited. This is my favorite part, so. This is your favorite part, rewriting, like, edits? Yes, yes. Because you have, like, clarity, and it's not just, like, completely self-hating, and someone else has read it and told you, like, this is good, but this could be better, and and also the end is in sight. I get that. What about you? Nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Uh, there's like 30 days till New York Comic Con. So today is yeah. like my last fake day of like calm. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's just going to be crazy. Because it's going to be. I think like, I will see you there. I think I will get to see you there this year. I'm pretty sure I'm going. Well, we. Uh, sci Fi does the live. Well, Sci Fi Wire. Sorry. Uh, does the live stage now. Because we have like a oh, partnership cool. with Read Pop. So I'll be there doing that and who knows what else i'll be doing so that's uh that's the only thing i can think of right now i don't know my life is boring it's that weird i mean you know i'm literally like sitting at my desk so it's not like excitement central (laughs) i know but i feel like i don't have anything substantial going on in my life Don't tempt fate. <laughs> I'm not. I want like I want something substantial, and then yeah. I and then I say this, and then I think to myself like, well, you could have been working on your book proposal, or instead of binge watching yep. the Great British Bake Off all weekend, or you know, Sometimes watching live Madonna though. concerts for three hours last night. I fell into I a little mean, Madonna hole. Those things are important parts of the process. They are. I will say that list watching old Madonna live performances are definitely part of my process because she motivates me. That's awesome. Well, so, not, not so much know, anymore, but like, I don't know. we're all too hard on ourselves. We're all too hard on ourselves. True. Seriously. No, we're not going to do that. So let's talk about someone who was not hard on himself. Yeah. And who would, uh, <laughs> remember the <laughs> right. devil's anus, uh, comment. That's right. Um, so this is the last, I promise, for uh, the near future, at least. Episode that <laughs> last I will be for doing. the next couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> I promise. Even I'm starting to get burnout on this. Like, it's just like too many. It's, it is literally like Satanist shade within Satanist shade. Like, you can only take so much. Um, but I have collected so many interesting Anton LaVey kind of tidbits and anecdotes. This is basically the... Pull out a Anton LaVey anecdote at a cocktail party episode. Um, Heavy on the Hollywood stuff, because I know that Cher likes that. I love (laughs) any (laughs) time fame and cults intersect. 
This actually, I do think after our heavy episode, this is a pretty fun one because almost because Satanism's all... fun. Let's just be honest. Let's just say <laughs> it's it. Like, just fun. It is. It's just fun. And most of the, there is a little bit of, of shady shit, but we're, we've already talked about that. And so I'm not going to talk about it too much. So, hey, so Church <laughs> of Satan, as we have said so many times on this show. <laughs> was founded in 1966. We should quiz people. <laughs> we should. Pop quiz. What year was Church of Satan founded? Go. 1966. <laughs> um, although, one thing I did learn is, so the, there is kind of the official story of the founding, and then there is, like, with everything to do with Anton LaVey, did this actually happen this way, or was this just a better story? <laughs> so it is a recognized religion. Basically, LaVey would have people over to his house in the late fifties in San Francisco um, and sixties and would have these kind of lecture series about occult topics. And um, it was kind of just like a little salon scene and people would joke around like you should start a religion. Uh, I just want you, I just want you to know that in my head right now, I'm completely picturing not like drunk history, but you know when like they retell a oh, story. Totally. So I'm picturing the whole scene, but it's like animated, and that's what it should be. Yeah. That's somebody be really should animate actually, our cult oh my god stories. If, if we ever drunk history, we love you. You should have us on to talk about it <laughs> because that would be the awesomest. So at any rate, he had a longtime partner, Diane Haggerty, or Diane Levey, um, as she was known then. She's back to her uh, Haggerty now. She was she sort of co-founded this with him and they claim that they co-founded it and he proclaimed it the age of Satan on Walpurgis night, you know, a, a very pagan holiday uh, in April of 1966. Mm, some people say basically like a reporter referred to him as the high priest of Satan and it took off and he was like, OK, here's the origin story for this. So it's difficult to know exactly what the truth is. But at any rate, at some point in 1966, Church of Satan gets founded um, by LeVay and his longtime partner, who was actually his second wife. And they weren't officially married, but she later sued for palimony. So I'm just going to call her his wife. So they must have been like common law then. They must have been together so long. Yeah. So they were like the Goldie and Kurt of Satanists. It's so funny. They were. So I asked people for satanic anecdotes on Twitter the other day. Yeah. And somebody tweeted me this, which I'm just going to read. It's at EA Press, Exterminating Angel Press. I was the LeVay's bank teller when I was 19 in San Francisco, Bank of America. She was the kindest customer I had. Very interested in me as a human, not just someone doing something for her. I was struck by that. Never forgot it. 40 years ago. I never met him. Their black house, of course, was famous in our neighborhood. I think what I got from her was that being a human being was about being open to other humans, no matter how different they looked from you. Which is honestly lovely. Which is actually, (laughs) and I was going to say, like, Satanists get a super bad rap, but that's literally what you just said, what she said. That's yes. what Satanism supposed to be about. It's supposed to be just accepting people right. as although, humans. Well, although there is a stray in Levian Satanism that's also like, and then destroy your enemies. Oh, well. <laughs> and we'll we'll talk about a little bit of the problematic side, but I agree. Like when it's when it's when it's good, like and she um there's even an interview I read from their daughter, Zena, 
who basically said like the mom really just wanted to be like the Adams family, which I can totally relate to. and was a little bit taken aback when all of this sort of took off. You know, it was kind of his crazy plan and she sort of got pulled along for the ride, apparently. And she did almost all the administrative work, including typing up his books. Um, <laughs> so just a moment of appreciation for Diane Haggerty, who at least was nice to her bank teller. The Le- Anton LaVey is one of the funnest people to do an image search for, by the way, in the world. Like, there are just so many photo shoots. I mean, he was very much, like, into his own personality. And you can tell. <laughs> his Wikipedia entry is epic. Uh, we have talked about this before, but just to quickly run through... He has all of these biography, it's like things that he wrote about and has peddled and that the Church of Satan still claims are true, even though there's no evidence to back them up. And a, a researcher that we'll talk about it actually found like sort of research to to not disprove exactly, but to make it less likely some of them are true. Um, he claimed that he ran away from home at 16 to join a circus. Um, but there's no evidence of that. And um, the acts that he claimed he worked with actually worked for a different circus company. Um, he also claimed that he had an affair with Marilyn Monroe before she was Marilyn. <laughs> when they were both hanging out at a burlesque club. Sure, Jan. And uh, his ex-wife, Diane, admitted that she forged this inscription and signature on a nude calendar of Marilyn that was one of his pieces of proof. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, He claimed he consulted and worked with the San Francisco Police Department as a psychic investigator. No evidence for that. Uh, SFPD has no record of this. Um, But, you know, I do give him credit. At least he didn't come up with boring backstories. If you're going to go, if you're going to become like, you know, go big or go home. Exactly. Like we've we've heard far less entertaining bullshit. Oh, he also claimed that he played with some symphony when he was a young when he was a youngster, which reminds me of some of our other people we've talked about. And there's like was no symphony of this name, you know, like it's just stuff like that. And and the thing that's amazing, the guy who sort of unpacked this was um, a guy who was writing, I think, for The New Yorker or writing, working on a book. And he uh, he was like, no one has ever verified any of this. Like these claims had <laughs> just been published by media outlets and still are to this day with like zero caveat or investigation. So, oh, journalism. Kudos <laughs> to uh, to Anton LaVey for uh, for getting one over on everybody for many, many years. He so basically he hosted these salons as we've talked about. And um, and he there is controversy around him. If you guys want to go delve into the family tit for tat like when he died there was all this fighting about over the estate between his kids and um there's all sorts of stuff on the church of satan basically chalks a lot of it up to bitterness but i mean his daughter Zeno. one thing i will say that jumped out at me that i i guess did not know even though i've been sort of interested in this forever so Zena shrek who that's her husband's name which i love you 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 found, clearly that's found an, your soulmate that's an amazing name <laughs> Um, so she's been, she was estranged from him from the late nineties on. And she was really the person who did a lot of the media appearances during the 1980s and kind of, um, you know, the church of Satan was sort of out of money by like 1975. Um, and had a lot of people left and went to some other sect because of infighting. And so she kind of brought it back by going out to be like the person saying that the church of Satan and, you know, Satanists are not what the satanic panic says they are and then about at the end of that decade 
she and LeVay ended up being estranged and didn't speak, I don't think, for the rest of his life. But why? Well, so here's an interesting tidbit. She got pregnant at 13 and had the child. Whoa. Um, yeah. Which to me is like, holy bad parenting. Um, no one knows who the father was. Um, there are rumors that it was incest, but she has never said that. And so I kind of tend to say those are just rumors. Um, also because a woman wrote some of these rumors in a book once and the kid, um, who is estranged from his mother. Um, so her is, kid is estranged from her. Yeah. Now, and is an adult and he and his girlfriend who'd been charged with kidnapping and, um, and injuring someone went to what? a book, si- went to a book signing and beat up the author so we are not going to go too far down the road of this kid because he's obviously insane so also i just it's very interesting that (laughs) xena is now a tantric buddhist yeah and she teaches that and she also um she also apparently does uh, quite a bit of private work with people who have left cult-like situations she considers the Church of Satan to have been a personality cult of people that were very invested in protecting Anton LaVey's um, sort of reputation. And, you know, it doesn't sound like she's wrong necessarily there. Uh, but it definitely, like, most of the controversy there seems to be very much like their family dynamics. And it's difficult always to know, like, who's right, who's wrong, probably everybody a little bit of both. Um, but I definitely feel sorry for her. She's very, she's, um, she's given some very interesting interviews. She doesn't do many anymore. And she's kind of bounced around different faith groups and is really into the occult stuff. And I mean, it's difficult to see how she could have done anything else with her life, you know? And I mean, just the fact that she had a kid at 14 is. What's her, what's, what's her name? What's her son's name? What's her son's name? Her son's Stanton. Stanton LeVay. So they put up a burn book. Uh, The Church of Satan savvy Twitter presence, though it has, did apparently not think it was worthwhile to buy churchofsatan.org. So if you want to see everything that um, Zena and Anton LaVey have, uh, Zena and Nicholas Shrek have said about Anton LaVey and all of the claims that he made that they have debunked, you can go to churchofsatan.org and see that. We're not going to belabor them here. Um, but one of the claims is that he was not really an animal lover, wasn't good to his pets. And it's interesting because one of them was a lion, which he was known to walk around San Francisco. Um, and Tippy Hedren took it. And so this is our first Tippy Hedren. Hollywood oh God, amazing. detour. This is our first Hollywood detour. Um, so the San Francisco police told LeVay he couldn't have this um, a lion as a pet. And Tippy Hedren took it. And she actually ended up starting like a refuge for animals and stuff. But the the most fascinating thing about this is, is as you probably know, she's also Melanie Griffith's mother. Melanie Griffith was a teenager during this period. They renamed this line, which was originally Togar, Togaro. Uh, they named him Neil. And there are all these epic photographs from a Life magazine spread of Melanie Griffith playing with Neil blowing water into his face in the swimming pool, their maid stepping over him as he sleeps in the kitchen, them sleeping in the bed together. And Tippi Hedren has since said this was probably not the best possible thing she could have done. 
uh, luckily, you know, no one was mauled, at least at home. Um, because she loved Tiger so much, uh, Hedron and so Hedron made this movie called Roar, which is often called the most dangerous movie ever made. Oh my God. <laughs> she claims that the number of injuries have been exaggerated. Um, there was a re-release in 2015 and the marketing copy boasted 70. Uh, IndieWire did a piece on it that found, and I quote, cinematographer Jan DeBont was scalped, requiring 220 stitches. Griffith was mauled by a lion. Yeah, I was going to say, was it? Was it? <laughs> Which required facial reconstructive surgery. An AD narrowly escaped death when a lion missed his jugular by an inch. And Hedron, who was also attacked by birds on the set of the birds, <laughs> Endured a fractured leg and multiple scalp wounds, and Marshall himself was wounded so many times he was hospitalized with gangrene. <laughs> Back to the story. <laughs> I like, but what would <laughs> go on? No, I mean, like, this is the great thing about Anton LaVey is there's all these like little side rabbit holes that you get sucked down. Yeah. So uh, the one thing I will say is another little bit of tidbit about this is. So the the Satanic Bible, which has sold more than a million copies, but translated everywhere. Avon Publishing basically asked him for a book because there was such an interest in occultism in the late 60s. And he was like, sure. And so he basically plagiarized whole cloth. Um, this book called Might is Right or Survival of the Fittest. And you can guess the gist. But yes, it's anti It's filled with anti-Semitism and white supremacy propaganda. Um, and he did an introduction for a reissue of this book close to his death which more on that in a second the nine satanic statements from um the satanic bible borrowed from atlas shrugged by our old friend and yeah <laughs> he, he was a fan of of oh yeah oh yeah and ran end of a uh, niche right yes um and he um and alistair crowley and he so at one point he even said that satanism was just Anne rand's philosophy with ceremony and ritual added Mm. so awesome. yeah yeah uh so he put Wait, his own isn't spin. alistair <laughs> i have to google this but i might be wrong didn't weren't like led zeppelin super into alistair crowley oh sure everyone is he's like the granddaddy of a certain kind of mysticism yeah. i'm actually gonna talk about him in a future episode because i really want to do one of the old like hermetic order of the golden dawn like um yeah because i, I wanted- know that like especially um jimmy page was super into occult shit. I mean, they all were, but yeah. I think they like recorded an album in, in his house or something. Right. And I think there are references to, haven't we yeah. talked about this before? Yeah, no, yeah, we yeah, haven't talked about these. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there we go. It, there was a manor. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, Jimmy Page owned it. Jimmy Page oh. bought his house in 1970. I knew there was a thing. I'm like, there's something with his house. Yep, Jimmy Page owned his house from 1970 to 1992. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So, LeVay <laughs> basically put his own spin on everything he plagiarized. Um, I would say his brand was basically kind of freewheeling hedonism. A lo- and, you know, as we, he had all these different romantic partners. This is my other favorite thing about him. He, uh, his own death certificate was doctored to change his date of death to Halloween. Um <laughs> The family, I know, I know. I mean, listen, not for nothing, but the brand is fucking strong. All right, like, (laughs) don't shade all you want. I know, I know. 
Anton LaVey was doing branding long before the Kardashians came on the scene. Like, <laughs> he was. He was on that shit. Imagine he if he was. was alive during Instagram. He would have, like, a billion followers. Go on. He would. He would. His head, he actually died on October 29th, 1997, and his family were like, we don't know why his death certificate doesn't say that. Okay. And yeah, we've close already enough mentioned- estimate. <laughs> close enough. We've already mentioned the Black House a couple times. Um, in 1956, he claims he purchased this Victorian house and painted it black. There is some evidence that that it was actually just his parents' house <laughs> and that they gave it to him and he painted it black. Um, so, you know, again, like, it's just like anything with LaVey. Like, okay, I would knows? also like to say he was way <laughs> ahead of the curve because painting a house black is, like, actually very trendy now. It got torn down. It was, it was I would there. Totally, I would totally, if I ever like some, so I'm jumping in, but if no, I no. <clears throat> ever bought like a house, like my dream is to like get either a brownstone or like a row house uh-huh. and like you have to gut renovate it, but I would want to paint it matte black on the outside. Of course. That would I look mean, so good. It was great. Although I guess it did like help people harass them <laughs> during the, you know, like sort of the heyday of stuff. And there were all these rituals that took place there. Like what they, uh, they baptized the Xena Shrek was the first baptism they ever did in 1967 when she was three. Um, and there are pictures. They used a nude female body as the altar. And of course oh. there were lots of nude women always around. Huh. Uh, but, you know, to their credit, they were very accepting of any sexuality. That is one thing that they had going for them from the get-go. Liberace was a Satanist. So there you go. He was? He was. Liberace That's... was one of the first members. Shut the fuck I up. Could, I couldn't find a ton about it, but That's it definitely amazing. seems to be true. Oh, and wait. How is so it not, like, why was that not in the HBO documentary? Like... <laughs> Well, how was that not in behind the can- candelabra? I just want to know about. <laughs> I want to know everything about Liberace being a Satanist. I know. I have a feeling so he was amazing. just friendly with with Levey. I don't know, dude. I could see him being a Satanist. Well, so other people that we're going to talk about who were famous mm. Satanists: Jane Mansfield, oh, of course. Yeah, and this was kind of a PR stunt, but there is a fascinating twist about it in a whole documentary. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Sammy Davis Jr., which is even more amazing than you think. Wait until we get to that. That's actually very surprising. I mean, I knew he converted to Judaism, but Satanism. And it's he writes about it in his memoir. No um, he was not. It didn't last very long, but it, he, he just huh. wait. He did wear a Baphomet medallion on stage at least once. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> I know. And so uh, LeVay claimed that he was very well off, of course, like that he owned all these luxurious estates and ocean going ships. But it turned out after he died, he had like 60,000 bucks left and yep. they were mostly book royalties. <laughs> and so the, basically he'd had divorces and bankruptcy. And so he was broke. Um, he was allowed to live in the black house until he died. But then there was an effort to buy it later by um by his last companion, Blanche. I'm blanking on her last name. I'll come across it at some point here. And she tried to raise money to buy it, but no no uh, cigar, and so it got torn down, um, which is too bad. Bummer. Uh, so Lawrence Wright, who we're going to talk more about in a sec, was a veteran reporter for Texas Monthly and The New Yorker, the guy who I mentioned earlier that investigated his life um, and started sort of myth-busting um, around them. Uh, I do have one interesting quote from from Zena Shrek, um, 
where she says, she actually says, like most cults that are based on protecting the founder's image, they do their best to attack anyone who says anything negative about their views or reveals the truth about them. Um, so I do think it's interesting. I just felt like I had to throw that in since we're technically a cult podcast and this is not really a cult as I think of it but, because it didn't have enough members, <laughs> but it does sort of intersect with, it d- I mean, I don't know. I think, I think, I think an argument could be made for being a cult so far. It definitely has a leader that f- checks a lot of the boxes. Yeah. 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 And who did a lot of, uh, <laughs> here's another, and according to Zena, <laughs> it was cultish. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and she says that the way they've reacted to her criticisms um, also, you know, by like kind of discrediting her. And and I mean, there's there's definitely something to that. We've seen it with every single group we've right. talked about. And she also said, and I actually had had, you know, I think I had read this somewhere that he um, he did things very similar to a certain person that started a thing yeah. With the name we shall not speak. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He was friends with all of the same people. Yeah. Um, same group of writers. Um, yes, absolutely. That is totally true. They were part of the salon scene, and some of them were part of the original advisors of the the church. And I wonder oh, yeah. how interesting that all these, like, former writers went off to start cults. I know. Is that, know. like, going to be our evolution? Are we going to have to start a cult? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. God, we only not. want people to join our Patreon. So we yeah, just join pay, our Patreon. Pay, just pay for our editing fees. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I, I put the note in for this one just for you. But there was an internet conspiracy theory that's just hilarious from a couple of years ago. I'm so excited. I love conspiracy uh, that, theories. That Taylor Swift is a clone of former high priestess <laughs> Zena LeVay. <laughs> wow that's amazing (laughs) i knew you'd love that that's so good Uh, especially the conspiracy theories that involve her this what first uh i found this on a website called the richest and this first emerged in 2011 because swift looks so much like the 80s and 90s pictures of her um, in some versions, they, there are people who say Xena made a pact with the devil to stay young forever and is living out another life as a pop star uh, and that she was cloned. Um, conspiracy theorists, the album title 1989 is a clue to this theory since that was the final year that Xena was high priestess. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. Um, let's see other famous people who, uh, who in, in intersected. Another one was, uh, there is a Manson connection, a Manson family connection. Of course. I feel like there's Su- no, I feel like you, you can't be a cult. If you're really a true, like <laughs> to call yourself like a California cult, you have to have a Manson connection. I kind oh, of sure. feel like that's almost like that gives you the official, like you're officially yeah. a California cult. There were at least two. Um, so Kenneth Anger was a good friend of LeVay's who was involved in all this at the beginning. Um, and apparently someone met Manson at a party that he hosted in L.A. But also Susan Adkins, who was one of the people involved in the Sharon Tate murders, was uh, two years earlier. She danced topless in a vampire cape during a strip club review called Witches Sabbath. And she also wrote about LeVay and claimed that he really did believe in Satan and that the atheism was for show for the public. So that's a weird little yeah. side note. All right. And remember our friend Shane Bugby, who did he follow you on Twitter, too? <laughs> I don't know. Did he? I mean, if he didn't, I'm going to be very hurt. 
he followed me. Um, so hey, Shane. Uh, and we mentioned his interview with his with his pal Lucian Greaves in our last Satan episode. He mm-hmm. also did the very last interview with Anton LaVey. And it was uh, following up on the new edition of that Might is Right bullshit book. LaVey mm-hmm. was apparently convinced that Jack London was the real author of this book, which is sort of written by an anonymous pseudonym. Everyone who's a Jack London scholar dis- scholar disagrees. Um, I'm moderately obsessed with Jack London. Uh, he was constantly on the run from his debts and literally typing to pay the bills or sailing off on his boat Shut up. Um, to avoid paying them. I'm serious. His wife, Sharma, Charmian, is fascinating in her own right and had an affair with Harry Houdini that she documented in her private diary. That's amazing. I know. Where are I know. his diaries? They are uh, there that you can find them and they're heavily quoted in um, in one of the Houdini bios that I read a few years ago. That was how I discovered this. Um, yeah. So uh, at any rate, here is the excerpt from this from this interview about Jack London. In Midas Right, there's a long passage about cannibalism. What do you know of Jack London's South Seas travels? Jack London was fascinated by anthropophagy. I don't know what that is. And no doubt encountered it. I guess that's another word for cannibalism. Encountered it in his travels. During the time he wrote, there was a heavy emphasis on untrodden fields of anthropology. In my time, I have had long pig on two occasions. So there's good reason to believe that London indulged himself in a late snack. What does it even mean? That's not even like a real sentence. I know. Most of what I know about Jack London's bestial side came by word of mouth of old timers who either knew him or something of him. His sadistic impulses were notorious. No, they were not. Did you know, I will say this though, did you know Jack London's father was an astrologer? Yes. (laughs) It seems there has been a lot of backpedaling in that regard, probably to sanitize him for school children and ivory tower historians. Strange as it seems, though, people seem to gloat and revel when the dark side of their heroes is revealed. That's what keeps the tabloids in business. Talking about himself or Jack London? I don't know. He literally just <laughs> invented an origin story for Jack London, though. Like I know. So he was still in this interview, by the way, peddling the running away at 16 to join the circus. Mm. Um, the, the, so the Jack London scholars say the notion is as ludicrous as suggesting that the author of White Fang was a cross-dressing hermaphrodite who buried his sexual shame and manly exploits. Something else that apparently Anton LeVay claims. Wait, he said that? At some somewhere at some point, this is this is on the Might Is Right um, Wikipedia page. London was born in 1876, so would he would have had to written this book in his early teens by the time it was first published so, in 1890. Anton Lavey was also like the OG Alex Jones because he's just out there yeah. making shit up. Okay, absolutely. Okay, just making cool. shit up and, and people, and then it becomes attached to like something. Right. You know, yeah, it's nuts. Um, all right. Yay, time for the infamous salad dressing test. <gasps> I'm so excited. I've been waiting weeks for this. <laughs> Go. Oh my god. All right. I'm so excited. So here's the here's the short here's the short version from Right Saints and Sinners. Um this is the guy who debunked all this stuff. He mm-hmm. went to dinner with Anton LaVey and Blanche Barton, mm-hmm. his last partner, who actually is still involved with the Church of Satan. Mm-hmm. What dressing would you like on your salad? The waiter inquired. Blue cheese, I said. LaVey and Barton exchanged a look, then returned to their menus. Unknowingly, I had just failed that LaVey salad dressing test. According to the satanic witch, his guide for lovelorn sorceresses, 
dominant masculine archetypes like LeVay prefer sweet dressings such as French, Russian, Thousand Island because the smell <laughs> resembles literally the worst dressings, by the way. Resembles the odor of a woman's sexual organs. <laughs> <laughs> but blue cheese, on the other hand, is reminiscent of a locker full of well-worn jockstraps. Hold on. All right. Hold on a second. First of all, <laughs> what the fuck... Like, when whatever women, I'm sorry to, you know, Anton's ex-wives, but, like, what's going on with your hygiene that <laughs> that this man thinks that those three salad dressings are reminiscent of what's your cooch? What's going on with his hygiene? I mean, like... Yeah, and also, <laughs> if blue cheese is reminding you of, like, jizz, you gotta go to the doctor. Exactly. <laughs> like... That it shouldn't smell like that, and it shouldn't be lumpy. All right, so just to no go doctor, a little but... go a little further down this, I've I found a that's amazing. Uh, I found a photograph of the page from the book that says this. So, all right, so men who are dominant and masculine archetypes prefer sweet dressings, such as French, Russian, Thousand Island, as do women who are dominant or latent or practicing lesbians. No. Oh. Women who are passive, submissive, and feminine archetypes prefer Roquefort, blue cheese, and oil and vinegar, as do males who are passive or latent or active. Well, I guess I'm passive because of all, if those are my only <laughs> options, I prefer oil and vinegar. But is it any vinegar or balsamic mean like I'm in a whole different category? Oh, there's so much more. <laughs> that is my are... raspberry <laughs> vinegar. Oh, that's, well, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely a feminine. That's definitely a feminine. I'm going to need somebody that's with the Church of Satan to let me know what my preference for raspberry vinaigrette says about Salads me. Salads are seldom liked by small children unless sweet dressing is applied. Oh the God. taste of sweet dressing with its minty tomato spicy taste plus the fact that it is most often used when seafood is incorporated in the salad. The fuck? Resembles the odor of a woman's sexual parts and is therefore agreeable to the archetypical male. Archetype ball. Sorry. Conversely, I'm the aroma... Like, and First of all, everything strong. about this is disgusting. Like, <laughs> I know. Just those three dressings on their own suck. But then, like, it's, why would you ever crazy. put those dressings on chi- on fish? He, he also thinks the type of candy or cake <laughs> that people like says a lot about them. Oh, what so, is that? Like, Wait, is that? Does it say like what? It says I can only see the very end. Dominant, self-indulgent, greedy types like candy, cake, and cookies with smooth texture. No nuts. They might love nuts, but by themselves, not blended with smooth textured foods. I love nuts. These self-indulgent types don't want to have to do work while they eat. I mean, this goes on for pages, apparently. Like, uh, this was his guide, by the way, on how <laughs> women could manipulate men um, oh. to do their bidding. Right. It's like, oh, so, so okay. progressive, dude. What do you think he would make of the source family salad dress? I don't know. I was just thinking that actually. Because it's like, it's definitely oil based, right? But it's got some lemon in there, which is all right. Let's ask Isis. Inquiring minds. We should. We should ask Isis. So on to Jane Mansfield. (laughs) Wait, so really quick, Jane Jane Mansfield. When I was just out in LA a few weeks ago, I was going to go to the church, to the Museum of Death. Oh yeah, the way but wait. Comes up. But here's yeah. the thing, because I had I didn't really know what the Museum of Death was completely, and then like we Googled it, and I was like, oh no, 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 I'm not going here. Yeah, because apparently yeah. it's 
it has like you know there's like a well james mansfield's car supposedly yeah there yeah. <clears throat> but they also have like a, she died in, right? yeah and they have like a a bust that's a remake of uh jfk's head blown off but then they have like actual crime scene photos like detailed crime scene photos and other memorabilia from other famous deaths Oh, like, like the Black Dahlia and stuff. Like really famous shit. And apparently it says on their website that people pass out in there all the time because it's so graphic. It's probably not air conditioned either. Like I hate museums that you go to that are creepy and then they're always like hot. Yeah, but like hard bad. pass because I don't want to <laughs> see crime scene photos. Like it has yeah, like graphic. No. Like, I was like, no. I'm, no, so me neither. I don't look at anything. I don't. I, if I see anything like come across my dash. I'm like, just close my eyes immediately. Like I'm, I'm a person that closes their eyes at extreme violence on yeah. TV. Their yeah. whole thing was like, their their mission behind the Museum of Death is not for shock. It's really to have a conversation about death because they feel. Sure. So if that's legit, fine. You know, because their whole thing is that they yeah. believe that people that we don't talk about death enough and that. That there. there have to be more conversations about death, which that's valid. That's true. It is. But I, I don't know that that's the way I want to. Yeah. Have there's a great uh, there's a great Joe Hill uh, horror story that I can't remember the title of about a shop that has all these last breaths in it. Like, it's just Ooh. this guy who. Yeah, it actually sounds really like creepy, but good. All right. So go ahead. So tell me about Jane Mansfield. OK, so Jane Mansfield. Um, so this comes from an L.A. Weekly story by Gwyneth Stewart, which is a name that I love because it's similar to my name. So in the spring of 1967. So this is not long. You know, this is the heyday. Like, it's just mm-hmm. been founded and he's gotten all this flashy press. Jane Mansfield, of course, is famous for publicity stunts and she was sort of on like kind of the downstroke of her career at Mm -hmm. this point and was trying to sort of get her mojo back um and so there's some indication that maybe their publicist set this up but whatever happened she and anton levey met um they actually did a photo shoot uh, a paparazzo named walter fisher took these photos of them in jane mansfield pink palace on sunset boulevard uh, Manfield, uh, LeVay claimed that he was in love with Mansfield. The photos from this photo shoot are something else. Um, Mansfield kneels on a tiger skin rug and gazes at a wax skull while LeVay's behind her with a horned hood and comically large medallion with Baphomet on it. And he's got a black satin line cape kind of looming over her. He, She died less than a month after that. And he claimed that he had put a curse on her attorney manager type, who was uh, who was also her boyfriend. He was her divorce attorney and de facto manager, Sam Brody, who was in the car with her when she died. And so he claims that he cursed this guy. Um, and there is a documentary called Mansfield 6667, which I have not tracked down yet, but I'm definitely going to. I didn't know it existed until I started researching this episode. And it basically tracks like sort of the bizarre and tragic stuff that uh, happened. Um, There's a a great interview magazine piece uh, with the filmmakers about all these strange things that happened when they started associating with each other. Um, Her son, Zoltan, I'm not sure why she named her kid Zoltan, was mauled by a lion. Um, I don't think it was I don't think it was his line. It was LeVay's line, but apparently there were a lot of lines around. Brody got in a string of car accidents. Um, and then, so basically, her death, 
was in uh, 1967, a month after this photo shoot. In Bilu- she had been in Biloxi, Mississippi. Right. Um, she had three of her kids with her. Miklos, yeah, they were all and, in the car. And Mariska Hargitay. Yeah. Which I never, because I remember the urban legend was always that like she got that decapitated. She decapitated, which but is, is not so true. much sadder. Like think about it's it, like so much sadder. They had to see kids. it. Yeah, they had to see it. And I mean, basically, that rumor came from like she had a wig on, and the way the wig was positioned when it came off her head mm-hmm. uh, in the crime scene photos, like people interpreted to mean that she'd been decapitated because it basically sheared off the top of the car in the police photos. It looks like. Um, but no, I mean, she did die immediately and actually they put a tractor trailer hit them and tractor trailers have a safety guard in America, the underride guard that is sometimes known as the Mansfield bar (gasps) because it was the lack of this, I guess, that, um, caused it to be such an extreme accident. And then it's at, you know, the death car was saved by a person in Florida where it became a roadside attraction in the 1970s. And then the guy who owned the dearly departed tours and artifact museum in Los Angeles bought it. And that's where it is. And it's across from the Hollywood forever cemetery where Mansfield is buried. So yeah, just tragic thing, but I'm curious to see this documentary. It got really good reviews. Um, Everything I saw about it made it sound interesting and just sort of like this weird little portrait of like kind of this unlikely friendship that developed between Mansfield and LeVay. Yeah. For this short period of time. I can't, be- I can't believe like, just really, like, I can't believe like the yeah. kids were okay. I know. Cause like you look at the pictures of this car and it's it awful. was completely destroyed it's and awful. they walked away with minor injuries. Right. And there were three adults yeah. in the front and they all died. Um, and this yeah, was like no, before airbags and seatbelts, you know, Absolutely. like, Absolutely. I mean, it really is amazing. Um, I mean, it just is, it just is incredible. And yeah. she's really fascinating. I mean, she is a fascinating figure for sure. So Sammy Davis Jr. Oh boy. You know, by the way, vice.com covers Satanism a lot. I'm just going to say, because this is where I got of most course. of this info. Although of course it's in I do. This places. is so, uh, that's, I'm not surprised. So, so they're, so they're jam. So basically around 1972, Sammy Davis Jr. was going to star in a satanic sitcom. It was a feature, and it got ma- a pilot got made uh, and aired. It was an NBC pilot called Poor Devil. It aired on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day, 1973, and it basically takes the story of the angel from It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> features Sammy Davis Jr. as a bumbling. Uh, the, the Vice story says a bumbling, coal shoveling demon who is offered a chance to move up in hell and to find and sleep with a Satan's secretary. If he can successfully procure the soul of a San Francisco accountant, there's then 73 minutes of these bumbling attempts to fulfill bitter revenge fantasies. <laughs> there's all these kind of like, it sounds like a, a early, but shitty, um, good place. <laughs> is yeah. what it sounds like. Um, and it's like a really just <laughs> the mediocre place. Right, the mediocre place. It's a disturbing film. Apparently, he used this, like, creepy, innocent voices that he uses at the beginning of Candyman. Um, And there's a laugh. There's a uh, no laugh track. So it seems even funny. It seems even less funny at the time. Um, And there was a lot of realistic versions of hell. Oh, and Lucifer was played by Christopher Lee. (laughs) That's so fitting. I mean, how is this not on YouTube? I've got to see if I can find it. You have Um, to find it. At one point, 
uh, in search of Sammy, the guy, the accountant, lunges for a phone book and says, I'll call the Church of Satan downtown. They'll know how to contact him. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> apparently... Fuck? How did the Frank Sinatra let this fuckery go on? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no. The Church of Satan saw this and were like, we have got to get this guy. This is a commercial. <laughs> this is like a commercial for us. Um, and so, LeVay's wife, Diane, reportedly said, wonder what Mr. Davis would think about being a black Jewish satanic warlock. And so he, <laughs> so he accepted oh an invitation God. to a Bay Area place um, where he got a membership card uh, and certificate and a Baphomet medallion that he wore during his performance. Um, and afterward, uh, he invited LeVay and his daughter and Michael Aquino to dinner and dis- and they talked about the occult hmm. uh, and told them that the poor devil shout out was totally legit <laughs> and they struck up a, a friendship and Davis for a while would appear in public with a painted fingernail wow and he would reserve front row seats for LeVay's entourage when he was in the Bay Area and flash the sign of the horns during his concerts he uh, was a purportedly considered LeVay considered making him a senior, a senior official of the church, but it didn't work out. Um, the show did not get picked up as a series because it got protested by a bunch of religious groups and it was terrible. <laughs> That's the real reason to get picked up. <laughs> not because it was protesting because it was terrible. Exactly. And, um, and in so in the New York Post published an excerpt from his 1980 memoir, Hollywood in a Suitcase, which subsequently got edited out of the final edition. But we still have this. Um, placed his devilish experiences in context. He said it was a short-lived interest, but I still have many friends in the Church of Satan. I say this to only show that however bizarre the subject, I don't pass judgment until I have found out everything I can about it. People who can put up an interesting case will often find that I'm a willing convert. <laughs> I just oh. love that whole story. That's it amazing. It just makes me happy. It just makes me happy. Um, and so basically, you know, Anton LaVey sat in his house. He didn't really do that many public appearances in the later years of his life. But he did love to, like, pull people into his circuit, into his circus but is, is right but uh circle like marilyn manson or there are different musicians he would sort of collect them who yeah. had an interest in his stuff and they'd go to dinner um and my favorite note in one of these stories he would take them out to dinner or they could take they could take him out to dinner if they liked but the, his usual places that he picked izzy steakhouse was a favorite as was the olive garden <laughs> He would really, like the Olive Garden. That's I so he would. He would. Imagining Anton LaVey walking into your local the Olive Garden, Garden. <laughs> or Olive Garden, as, as he, would, like, he probably called it. it. He, yeah. he's like, bring me the oil and vinegar. <laughs> no, he would want the French dressing or the Russian dressing. <laughs> I wonder if he brought his own dressing in case restaurants didn't have the ones. Well, he, he, he actually, there's a grace note in that section of that book that I read. But he he ordered only a rare porterhouse steak. <laughs> you can't lose the salad dressing game if you don't play. So that's that's really all I've got. Like, you know, hopefully this was a fun trip down Anton LaVey memory lane for you. That, it was something. All right. It was a trip. All right. <laughs> and now I've finally gotten all of this research that I have been like putting in this file <laughs> for since our second episode 
out, out into the world where well, it belongs. I'm really excited because next week I have some Ooh, crazy yeah. shit that like, and believe it or not, there's some connections to your Satan shit. It's not oh, about Satanism, but there's a connection. So it makes sense that I, I do it next week. Excellent. But um, yeah. And I'm starting to That's notice exciting. like, it's so funny because like, when I think of when we come up with like the ideas, I'm saying like a lot, I gotta stop doing that. When we come up with the ideas of what we're gonna do, uh-huh. I'm noticing a theme. What is it? <laughs> well, I notice that we tend to be drawn, like each drawn to specific types of. That's true. Like, yeah. you know, I, I would say that I'm drawn to cults that. I shouldn't say I'm drawn to cults. I, I definitely like a. I like an element of the ridiculous. Yes, I'm always interested by an element of the ridiculous or like just a cult shit in general. Like, I'm gonna watch any cult show, but anything, any cult that yeah. you know, any of them are quite honestly, I will learn about and read about and watch yeah, stuff on. But I am especially drawn to cults that they just went over the line of like, like let's say you know, uh, if it's the Rajneeshis, you know, like those types of cults or like yeah. cults where um, almost like they're tying in this whole like new age type. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, very yeah. drawn to that. Like I'm yeah. fascinated by it. Whereas I'm more into that classical kind of like the demons and you right. know, like demonology and all yeah. that bullshit. I'm that drawn to anything. Yeah. Anything <laughs> that's like could feasibly like you might accidentally post a, a quote on your Instagram. That's an right. inspirational cult. You know, a quote, and oops, it was by a cult leader, which was this fucking case with Rajneeshis, by the way. Did I tell you this? When I was watching Wild Wild Country, and I think that's why I like when I'm a little scared of how easy it would be for me to accidentally end up in a cult. Not because I want to be in a cult ever, but because like they're almost operating under the surface of mainstream oh, no, type totally shit yeah, yeah it's yeah. like this flirtation with f- fucking insanity or or evil but so i was watching wild wild country all right so his name was rajneesh at the time okay i didn't know that after all that shit went down oh he osho. changed his name to osho <laughs> right. okay so wait check this out this is what i mean by like when something flirts with my life so i probably years ago i've since deleted it I had a short period where I was that girl and I post I would post like quotes to my Instagram that are like, you know, all like fucking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> in uh, my defense, I did this one. years before it became I'm, like you're the probably basic... inspiring. We're inspiring. Right. People. I, yeah, sure. I was like, right. I was maybe as inspiring like three you people were winning hearts and minds. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> in my defense, I did do this. This was like going back like nine years eight nine ten years so it was before everyone and their mother thought they were like they had crystals and shit which i'm not that person <laughs> anyway i posted a quote that i saw that was like this is a really good quote and it happened to be by osho and i liked a lot of his quotes and then i remember i went to go see <laughs> i went to go see i went to, not to go see i went to go take a class at jiva mukti in the city a couple of years ago and i saw a book from osho because apparently he's done kundalini like he got very into like kundalini and all that kind of stuff so it's not unusual that you would see an osho book at a yoga store that's inside of a yoga studio especially jiva mukti okay so then i'm watching 
this fucking documentary. And then I find out towards the end that he became Osho. And I was like, I was quoting a fucking cult leader. I had no idea. I had no idea. So to me, that's fascinating. It's fascinating because I feel like that, you know, like just I think this way freaks me out when it freaks me out. Yet it also draws me in because I want to learn more. Like I want to understand it. I don't want to do it. But and it's like, really well. It's really interesting because there are they do have a big Osho Meditation Center is huge, huge and like my huge. yoga, my favorite yoga teacher, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Mandy just started listening to the podcast. Hi, and she texted me about it a couple of days ago. We have a lot of cult jokes, um, and she says that I started this podcast so I could get her to join my cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and she was on a retreat, and there were people who had been, you know, who had gone to like do yoga to retreat there. And, you know, the thing is, like, when I was doing the research for this show and looking at the Xena Shrek stuff, I found this thread on Reddit. And somebody who was a former cult member was sort of weighing in on some of these controversies. And she was basically like, look, with a lot of these things, it's very it's a question. You know, it's like some people experience it as a cult and some people may have a completely different experience with it. that's not harmful at all. But that doesn't you know, it's like because they can become broad enough movements, right? Like you can sort of have like this part of it. That's normal that you could inadvertently walk right into without ever knowing that over here, there was like bioterrorism in Oregon going on. But also like Osho, if you listen, Osho still to this day, Osho International has over yeah. 2 million followers. It's huge. On We've got to do Wild Wild Country at some point. Oh, we will. We, really we, definitely, we should probably see if we can get like the guys that did the co- documentary on for that. Yeah. But Osho's huge. And I guess for me, that's the kind of stuff that I'm especially fascinated by. Anytime I find somebody that, if it's a cult that, you know, somebody that started, you know, like uh, Bikram, I will completely, like, I listen to the 30 by 30 30 to 30 30 for 30 30 by 30 whatever that ESPN podcast is is. anyway (laughs) ESPN has a podcast and they did they did a whole thing on Bikram and that like I want to talk about that one day but it's like yeah there's all that stuff whenever I hear that they're using like you know meditation or like you know yoga because it's like these are things that I do and then when I hear people turn it and take those facets of stuff that right. I use in my everyday life and they're using well, it in a cult. So again, like I said, it's like that flirtation with right. evil. Well, it makes perfect sense, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you're trying to make people feel better. And I mean, of course, one of the easiest ways to do that is to get is to tell people to fucking breathe. Right. right? And it's also, like, I think it also is very interesting how like a lot of cults will take stuff that is very... Yeah, like, hey, that sounds real normal. And I think that's how they kind of validate themselves to their followers. Or or give people permission to slow down and think about themselves and how they feel, which is a big part of yoga, right? And so, like, you know, a certain kind of person, you know, can manipulate that like crazy, as we've talked about. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that cults will do, especially uh, successful cults, is that they will take stuff that is very common sense and very normal run-of-the-mill everyday stuff that maybe any you might know people that will do those things and i think that's how they make themselves seem more legitimate and valid to their followers and even to their naysayers because like yeah but all we're doing is like we meditate and da 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 and we do this and that so it's a fascinating history yeah Yeah, yeah. that's fascinating to me 
And it's fascinating to me whenever I find out celebrities, like the, the intersection of celebrity and, and cults. And then t- next week's one that I'm, we're going to talk about, it hits on all of this. Because the other thing I find okay. very fascinating is this whole, this new crop of how, you know, all uh, being enlightened. And I feel like spirituality has become a very popular mainstream thing now. You know, like everyone and their mother is like, you know, they're like, I'm spiritual, my chakras. And like, you know, some people really believe that. And some people know what they're talking about. And other people are just fucking idiots. And yay, I had to take a break in like reading because I accidentally found this this out. And then when (laughs) I fell into a rabbit hole and I actually had a pause and I actually had nightmares one night because yeah, because like I had thoughts about. It'll make sense next week. but Oh, by the way, the season two of The Center, which is a completely different story and like has a different protagonist than the first. So you can watch it without watching the first season mm. is all cult based. And it's so good so far. Like you have to watch it at some point. I no, bought no. it. I broke down and bought it after watching the first episode of season two because I can get all the screeners. Is- so fascinating yeah get them get them because when it gets to the end of the season we should talk about it so on that note yeah if you're listening uh make sure you go leave us some love on itunes or stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts that you can give nice reviews on podcasts don't say mean things um you can also (laughs) find us on social media at cult faves on instagram twitter and facebook which I have to be better about helping. And let us know maintain. your let us know your salad dressing. Yes, <laughs> tell us about your salad dressing, and we'll tell you something that has nothing to do with your life. Uh, we'll give you. We're, we should start doing life. salad dressing readings and make that a Patreon yeah, thing. That's what I'm, I'm dead ass serious. We should do that. Um, and then you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/cultfaves. Um, and what else? That's, that's it. it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Definitely, you might want to make sure you're in a safe space next week. Strap yourself in because it's going to get fucked up. I'm telling you, it's, it's, yeah. I'm excited. I know, me too. Bye.